0: Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. This week is Valentine's Day, so I wanted to do something a little bit special, a love letter of sorts to the people, places, and movements that have and continue to inspire me on a daily basis. This show is partially inspired by, of all things, the high school yearbook of my wife, Julia. For her senior graduation, she got a page in her yearbook and used the entire space to thank, in small but very neat handwriting, all of the people and things that had inspired her, from Karl Lagerfeld and Julia Child to the overall concept of style. There was such a sweetness to that enthusiasm on the page, and I wanted to carry that through to this episode today. Instead of a long list of names, I wanted to use the show to highlight the people that inspire me, and that I could hopefully inspire people listening with. One of the biggest questions I get asked on a daily basis is where I find my inspiration. So, instead of keeping those sources private, I thought I would share them today and hopefully they will inspire you in the same way that they've inspired me over the last decade of working online. The categories I'm going to cover are websites, tools for life and technology, strong women, publications. And the last category are lifers, people, concepts, stores, and brands that I think have done an exceptional job of maintaining quality over the years and setting a great bar for the rest of us to follow. So I want to dive in with the most obvious choice, which are websites. These are going to be a group of four or five websites, some run by people, some run by companies that I think represent the best of the internet. The first one is Fast Company. And Fast Company, in all of its many facets, has been an incredible publication for a very long time. But in particular, Fast Company designs websites continues to remind me that design is a powerful and important tool for learning and for helping people. One of my biggest struggles in working with design is trying to find the meaning and the larger purpose of what we do. Because sometimes it can be difficult to think that maybe you're just working in a field that specializes in wallpaper and making things pretty and maybe it's not so much about the greater good. And I think Fast Company does a fantastic job, fantastic job and really highlighting people and places and projects and really exciting technology that shows just how strong design can be and what a powerful tool it can be for change. So if you're not already reading Fast Company Design's website, please, please, please start following it and reading it now. The next one is a bit different. It's Daniel Cantor of the blog Manhattan Nest. For those of you who read Design Sponge or read design blogs in general, you're probably familiar with Daniel. Um, he's also the fiance of our lovely Maxwell Thielman, who writes for Design Sponge. But he's also an incredible blogger on his own, not just for his incredibly sort of transparent and easily relatable brand of writing, but I think for the incredible knack he has for making over spaces. For me, Daniel is constantly inspiring because he proves that you are never too young or you're never too old to learn a new skill and tackle something on your own. Max and Daniel bought a beautiful but very old home in Kingston, New York earlier this year, and I have watched with such fascination and inspiration as the two of them have made it over single-handedly, including ripping out ceilings, ripping out floors, teaching themselves how to do roofing, and all sorts of things that you would never expect someone in their early 20s to know how to do, let alone tackle on their own. Watching them do that has made me feel not only lazy at times, but has made me feel really inspired. And I think a lot of times as you cross over into your 30s, people who have a ton of energy and are in their early 20s can feel like a little bit of an example of the energy you don't have anymore. But I think Daniel and Max have really inspired me to look at the way I do my own house, the way I tackle projects and make me sort of look a little bit more closely about what I can do if I just put a little bit more effort and elbow grease into it. The next website I really want to celebrate in a big, big way is uh, the website called The House That Lars Built. It's run by Brittany Watson-Jepson, who I think single-handedly has made the DIY community feel more sophisticated, creative, and aspirational again. And I think aspiration isn't something we normally associate with the DIY movement because it tends to want to make things feel more relatable and easy to tackle and do with your own hands. But I think Brittany has a wonderful way of looking at materials, including really simple everyday materials like corn husks, which she tackled this past week online. And she turns them into these things that feel like works of art. And for me to see someone like that, elevating the DIY community to such a beautiful and such a High bar level is something that we could all learn a lot from. I really love being pushed and inspired by people who take a craft or a skill or a whole genre of design and really push it to a new level. And I think Brittany is doing that in a big, big way. The next person I want to talk about is Joy of Oh Joy. If you read design or read blogs, there's no way you don't know who Joy is. But if you don't, her website is a must read. Um, I've been following Joy for probably as long as I've been blogging. And I think she's someone I consider one of my biggest blogging compatriots. And I think we've been through a lot of different changes online, um, just the same as a lot of bloggers who've been working for almost a decade. But I think what inspires me the most about Joy right now is the way that she has showed that someone can reimagine their site, grow and really hone their brand in a completely change changing market. I've talked a lot about um, online how blogging has changed and the way that it's become difficult and the way it requires a lot more diversity in your writing, not just from you as a brand, but the people who work with you. And I think Joy has been a really great example of how you can pare back a bit and produce a little bit less content, but produce higher quality content and produce content that's richer. And I think she's done that in a very, very, interesting and inspiring way and she's sort of single-handedly dominated Pinterest for the last few years in a way that I think we all envy but also admire and I think that the way it's led to her recent collaboration with a massive brand like Target is a great example of what really showing up being somewhere first and doing it really well what it can lead to and I'm just so impressed by what she's done to transform her brand from sort of a single person website to this very large umbrella of a brand that includes product design and content for children and moms. And I just I think it's a really interesting expansion. So if you're not reading Joy's site, please check it out. The very last website I want to talk about is the New York Public Library's Digital Image Gallery quite a departure from the other blogs I'm talking about now. But if you're not familiar with the New York Public Library's image gallery, you should make yourself familiar with it right away. It has really, really opened my eyes to the inspiration that exists outside of the internet, which is something I think we could all use a little bit more of. I've been fortunate to be aware of this a bit earlier than most of my friends because Amy Azarito, who works with us at Design Sponge, used to work for the New York Public Library and was very much involved in the creation of this gallery and the people who worked there to catalog and photograph and put all of the information that exists in their in-person archives onto the internet deserve a huge round of applause. And I don't think enough people are really taking advantage of the resource that this digital gallery is. You can find Everything there from beautiful old tintype photographs to photographs of old Valentines to textile collections, everything you could possibly think of is at that library. And while not everyone can get there in person, although I hope people can, the digital image gallery is a really fantastic and free tool that people should be looking at, whether you're a designer looking for inspiration or a blogger just looking for ideas that exist outside of the sphere of Pinterest and Google image and all of that. So those are my favorite websites right now, and I'm hoping that these can bring you some ideas the same way they've brought them to me. The next thing I want to talk about are tools for life and technology. And these are just the things that have made my life more exciting, more interesting, and helped my business creatively over the last year. The first two kind of go hand in hand. They're Instagram and ViscoCam. I talked about ViscoCam a lot on my last website or my last webcast um, talking about apps. Instagram has made me think about photography again in the way that it lets you reimagine your brand. And I think a lot of people see Instagram that way. Way. But in particular, ViscoCam has made me curious about photography again and how to actually learn. I think a lot of bloggers have taken for granted the idea that photography can communicate an image or a message about your brand. But I think the way that Instagram and ViscoCam have made us look at photography again as an actual art and a skill has been really, really interesting and very valuable. I think a lot of people look at Instagram and say, oh, now everybody thinks they're a photographer. But I don't instantly think I'm a photographer because I can take a nice photograph and put it on Instagram. But it makes me realize the value in really great photography and why it's worth putting the time into learning the tools, learning how to use them and finding the best way to use them for your brand. And for me, over the last year, these have been the two most inspirational tools that have really helped me figure out how to spread our message across a much bigger platform. The next one I want to talk about is Boomerang. I've been talking about Boomerang for years, but it gets better every year. It I basically want to thank it for giving me control over my inbox again and write the biggest love letter to Boomerang because if you're not already using it, it's an app for your Gmail that lets you send and receive things whenever you want them, whether that's delayed or to hold them and bounce back later. It's completely revolutionizing tool for anyone who lives on their email, which I feel like is most people these days. And the last thing I want to talk about for tools for life and for tools for technology is Skillshare. Skillshare has really put the power of teaching back in the hands of regular people who happen to have a lot of experience but maybe don't have a platform for getting that out there. If you're not familiar with Skillshare, it's a website that allows people to upload courses and teach them to people for really small, very achievable fees like $25 and it can help you learn from people who are interesting artists in Australia all the way up to somebody like Seth Godin who is well well known for his advice and tips in terms of life and work productivity and I think it's really kind of opened the landscape the way that the way that blogging did for writing. It's made teaching so accessible and it's made learning so accessible. And I think that these days, separating yourself from the pack, whether you're a maker or a blogger or just somebody else in another field, separating yourself from the pack is a huge thing. And the more you can do to do that, to do that, the better you will be in the long run of your business. And I think what really lets you stand apart is learning more. And so I think these classes, especially because they're so affordable, have been so helpful in letting people who have the motivation and the time and the work ethic to learn more really do that. So I just want to give a big, big high five to Skillshare for opening up a platform that lets people learn the way they want to learn. The next big category means the most to me, um, strong women. If you had to ask me, What thing means the most to me in my life and means the most to me in my work? It would be the women that I look up to and admire for completely different reasons. And I think it's important for everyone to have a mentor, someone they look up to, someone they admire for whatever reason it is. And I want to break down some of those. And I'm going to get to half of them before the break and half of them afterwards. The first person I wanna talk about is Ariel Alasco. I think most people um, working in design know who she is, but for me, Ariel reminds me of the power of a strong, unified aesthetic. She is an incredible woodworker who seemingly just like exploded onto the scene last year and has a very recognizable look to her work. And I really enjoy seeing the world through her eyes. She's someone who has really grabbed onto the power of um, Instagram, not only to show her work, but to promote and actually sell her work. And I think she's a wonderful example of somebody who's harnessed social media to be effective as an independent maker. She announces when things are on sale, they sell out that way, and she doesn't need to worry about press. She is her own press machine and the best possible version of that. And I think she's incredibly inspiring. The next person um, is Caitlin Motion. And I pronounced her last name completely incorrectly for about four years, and it's Motion, but it looks like McEwen. It's M O C I U N. Caitlin is well known in Brooklyn for making incredible jewelry. But for me, the reason I find her so inspiring is that she's made me see jewelry as a universal design element and inspiration. Her Tumblr feed has been a great resource for me. It's just um, CaitlinMotion.tumblr.com. And it really has been able to open my eyes to the way that photography plays into jewelry design, to the way that textile design connects to jewelry and the way that all of these sort of color palettes and patterns draw upon each other and kind of have a cyclical pattern and what's popular and what's cool. And I think Caitlin has really shown people how you can put contemporary art and contemporary design into a piece of jewelry. On the other end of that spectrum would be Erie Basin. For those of you who aren't familiar with Erie Basin, it's a fantastic uh, jewelry store in Brooklyn. It's in Red Hook, and it's run by Russell Whitmore. And it's kind of the opposite of that. It's a store where Russell is able to showcase his incredible eye for vintage and antique jewelry. And Russell has made me really go back and appreciate the way that really antique and quite, quite old pieces of jewelry still have a connection to the artwork that you're seeing today. And I think nobody has an eye on Victorian jewelry, especially the way that Russell does. And while Russell isn't a strong woman in this category, I think he's connected to that same sort of jewelry vein that's happening right now. And I think if you aren't paying attention to jewelry right now and you work in design, it's a good field to start paying attention to because some of the most exciting ideas and patterns and colors and materials are coming from people working in that field right now. So I'm going to take Take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you about a few more women that I think you'll find exceptionally inspiring and then a few more men as well. So stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm writing a love letter, an audio love letter to the people, the things, the places, and the websites that have inspired me the most over the last few years. Before the break, I was talking about the strong women that mean the most to me in my life and that I hope will be inspirations for not just me, but everyone listening. I want to talk about three women in particular that I find most exciting because of their badassness. That would be Sarah Riannon of Saipua, Sibella Court, who is an incredible Australian, stylist, Christine Schmidt of Yellow Owl Press and uh, Yellow Owl Workshop, and Shannon Campanero of SKL. These four women, I think, are incredible. If you don't know who they are, look them up. Sarah Ryan has single-handedly opened up the world of floral design to people of all ages and made it feel so accessible. I don't think until probably the last two years people quite understood the way that She approached flowers and the way she approached them as a design element would really revolutionize and create an entire new generation of young florists, floral designers, event planners. She made it feel accessible. She made it feel fun. She made it feel organic. I don't think anyone's really done that in an industry in quite a long time. And I think if you're not following Sarah's blog and her work, you're really missing out. You can read her site at saipua.com and saipua.blogspot.com. Saipua is spelled S-A-I-P-U-A. It is a purposely Spelled version of the Finnish word for soap. Uh, The next person I think you should be paying attention to in this group is Christine from Yellow Owl Workshop. I had the chance to actually hang out with her the other day, and I think she is just single-handedly the best example of a businesswoman who can dance to the beat of her own drummer and make that incredibly successful. It's so easy to fall into this sort of cookie-cutter mold of what it is to be a female business owner in the design industry, and I think Christine, in the best possible way, breaks all those molds by being just herself. She designs what she wants to design. She has her own unique style. She's not producing what everybody else is producing just for the sake of doing it. I find her Infinitely exciting and inspiring to follow. So if you're not following her and especially her Instagram feed, which is just Yellow Owl Workshop, it's so exciting. She's on a daily basis creating artwork or cutouts that explain interesting everyday facts or phrases or terminology. I think it's so great to see somebody so creative who just expresses themselves for the sake of expressing. It's really hard to find that these days and she's a wonderful example of that. Uh, Shannon from SKL, who I've had on the radio show before. SKL is her company and it's spelled E-S-K-A-Y-E-L. Shannon has the guts to ask for and take exactly what she needs as a business owner and I think we need to see a lot more women in design doing exactly that. I got to have lunch with her in our Biz Ladies Lunch Series a few years ago and I was blown away by how confident she was. She had every right to be that confident and I think it was so great for young women running businesses to see someone like that relatively early in her career, know exactly what her worth was and to know exactly what her value as a designer was. And I find her so inspiring. is just a great example of somebody who stands up asks for what they want, and is able to produce a collection that's not only beautiful, but is really appreciated and supported by the design community. So if you're a maker, Shannon from SKL is a great person to start following. I think she really has fantastic work ethics and knows exactly how to produce a collection that she wants. And Sabella Court, who I mentioned before, is really just a fascinating person to watch for aesthetics. I think Sabella knows how to master the art of mixing things in a really interesting way, I follow Sabella primarily through her blog, and I think she's just someone who knows how to pick up a piece that she found while traveling and combine it from a piece that's inexpensive and from a box store and make it look beautiful and make it look effortless. I'm constantly trying to teach myself lessons by looking at photographs of her work, and I think if you're somebody who wants to work in any sort of lifestyle field, she's someone to be looking at. The next two people I want to talk about, I can't imagine talking about them separately. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. I feel like they're my friends. They're obviously not, but Those two women together, I think, have done so much to remind us that women don't need to be small, pretty, palatable, or perfect. They can be loud. They can be funny. They can be rude. They can be crude. If you haven't read Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, please read it, whether you're a woman or you're not. It's an incredibly fascinating read and a really, really great reminder that women should stand up and be exactly who they are. And I think I reread that section of the book on a regular basis. Amy Poehler is just a really stand-up woman. And if you're not following her and her work and reading Tina's book, you're missing out. It's so inspiring. I also want to talk a little bit about Jenna Lyons. I think everyone talks about Jenna Lyons right now because she's fascinating. She's done so much for J Crew and the brand as a whole. And beyond the obvious reasons, Jenna Lyons sort of inadvertently came out the other year. Um, She's made a really great sort of crossing the lines of fashion between she crosses the lines between fashion and design and even with gender. And I think she's playing with that on a really mainstream scale. She's letting people look at um, masculinity and the idea of feminine masculinity in a way that she's making totally palatable for a very mainstream audience that I don't really think has been done before. And I think she's someone who stands up and is completely accepting of who she is, and that is infinitely inspiring so if you're looking for talented women to look up to and pay attention to and be inspired by all of these women are great examples. The next thing I want to talk about are publications and primarily print publications, not only because they're dying out, but because there are some people who are not dying out and are doing it so, so well and deserve your money and deserve subscriptions or to be picked up in a store. The first one I want to talk about is kinfolk. And kinfolk has a sometimes a mixed reaction from people. Uh, but I really just, I love kinfolk for embracing simplicity. I think they've embraced clean layouts, gorgeous photography, and the beauty of print in a way that few publications have. I don't think they're producing layouts that are for the web. They're producing layouts that really show you what print can do, and I think that's exactly why it's so popular. It's presenting this beautiful, simplified version of what things can be, and I think that's what you can't do with the web. So buying something like that is such a celebration of paper and photography and just very simple, clean beauty. So that's why I love Kenfolk. I also really appreciate the um the publication uppercase it's been going on for a couple years now and i think it really represents continuing to hold fast to the goal of celebrating strong thinkers and independent artists and i think if you're not reading janine's magazine uppercase you're missing out it's been around for a while i think it's one of the strongest ones out there and i really really admire her for holding fast to her original goal and she showcases independent artists in a way that i don't think most print publications do and i think she should be very proud of that and i am a proud proud buyer of that magazine The next one is Lucky Peach. Um, That's David Chang's magazine. And I think it gets a lot of flack for being kind of a bro publication. But I love Lucky Peach. I think it celebrates the uniqueness of print. And I love that it feels like a big, fun, giant comic book. And I love that about it. I think they've embraced the way that print can feel like comic books and the way you can um, distribute and give people information in ways that are playful and not just about charts and dry sentences or pretty sparse pictures. It's everything crammed into one huge magazine. And I think it's such a celebration of print. So if you're not reading Lucky Peach, please pick up an article or an issue. I really think you'll find elements of it inspiring no matter what you do. The next one I want to talk about is a magazine that I don't know if everyone's heard of, but I think is really, really worth buying. It's called Inventory. Um, It's really kind of the opposite of trendy. Inventory is really about celebrating makers who have careers that are all about a consistent level of craft and skill. These aren't people who are doing what's hot and what's cool. They aren't all young and living in Portland. These are people who have been doing woodworking or been doing leatherworking or been working with metal for like 15 or 20 years. They know what they're doing. They've apprenticed. they read have made a career out of consistency. And I think there's so much to learn and so much to be inspired by in experience. So if you haven't picked up inventory, please check it out. A very similar publication, but one that's brand new is called Rust Belt Almanac. I love Rust Belt for opening people's eyes to the beauty of somewhat forgotten towns like uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. And Max, who works for Design Sponge, is probably the biggest fan of Buffalo. And he's a local as well. And I think he brought that into our community or into the Design Sponge office and really opened our eyes to like how much incredible work is being produced there. And I felt ashamed for not have following those been following those towns as closely as I should have. And I'm so excited to have that magazine now. So if you haven't picked up Rust Belt Almanac, Please, please give that one a try. And I want to talk about a couple more publications really quickly. This one's kind of a mixed bag, and I've been involved in some conversations about it online, but I think in general I've come down on the side of it being a a really great publication that I'm glad exists. It's called Garden and Gun, which the name alone upsets some people, but um, it's a mixed bag. But making, I think that Garden and Gun has really made people see the beauty in Southern tradition, Uh, and it's given a face to the new South. I think that's something that a magazine like the Oxford American has been doing for a long time, but I think garden and gun kind of went and put it in a more aesthetic sensibility. And I think garden and gun has done a really great job of highlighting people who are carrying on family traditions of either whether it's furniture making or growing heirloom breed rice or pigs and things like that. I think that it's really found a way to sort of encapsulate all the things that are beautiful, but also traditional in the South and celebrate that. I'm not always in love with some other editorials that I think somewhat stereotype Southern women in a way that I'm not comfortable with. But I think in general, it represents such a great move towards regional design and celebrating what makes people different, the heritage they come from, the tradition they come from. And I'm just really excited to see a magazine that's celebrating the South. The last thing I want to talk about before we end today are a category I'm calling lifers. These are people who I think represent probably the highest bar in design who I look at, not just on a weekly basis, but on a yearly basis, the people I go back to and say, am I following in their footsteps? Am I trying to to reach the level of high quality production that they have? The first one's obvious, Martha Stewart. You could say Martha Stewart and watch people either roll their eyes or clap their hands together in excitement. But for all of her lovely Connecticut Stepford wifeness, Martha Stewart is my end-all be-all. She is the most inspiring pinnacle of everything that I think I aspire to. But the reason I think I like Martha Stewart that I think a lot of people don't is that I don't feel bad if I can't reach her standards. I just think of her as the gold standard. And I think if I have that there to look at as someone who constantly strives for perfection, I want to find my version of that I don't need to be Martha. I don't need to have a huge staff. I don't need to have picture, picture perfect photo shoots every time. But I love having somebody who does strive for that in the industry. I think it's so great to have somebody who's committed to perfection in their own version of that. I think bloggers have reacted to that in a really big way, but I don't feel threatened. I think it's it's wonderful to have that to look up to. And I think the goal for every person working in the lifestyle industry is to find your own version of that, to figure out what's your version of, of perfect or what's your version of happy or what's your version of Imperfectly Perfect. Whatever it is, I think she's a great example of what you can do when you work very, very hard and have a very clear aesthetic vision. The other person I think that I personally look up to a lot is Todd Oldham. Um, some of you might remember Todd from Todd Time on House of Style on MTV back in the day with Cindy Crawford. You might remember him from Handmade Modern or working with Amy Sedaris, and you might know him most currently from all of the incredible design work he's done in taking the work of Charlie Harper um, and Alexander Girard and turn them into gorgeous monographs as well as product lines with companies like Fischetti. I think Todd's commitment to the designers behind design is completely unparalleled. I think he's produced work that's authentic, that's important, that's thoughtful and that really is all about celebrating the creative process behind the products you actually take home or that you hang on your walls. And I've never met anybody who is so dedicated to just purely the art and the craft behind things. It's not driven by money. It's not driven by celebrity or fame. It's really just about the work he does. And I think you only get a level of success in a career like Todd's if you really have the heart and the hard work to put into it. So if you're not paying attention to Todd online, please, please start doing that because I think He's a wonderful example of what a career in art and design can really look like. I also want to talk about um, Carson Ellis and Colin Malloy. Most people will probably know Colin Malloy from being lead singer of the Decemberists, but um, Colin was also the author of Wildwood, a fantastic book series that came out a few years ago, and Carson is his very talented wife, and is an illustrator and is famous in her own right, and Carson was the illustrator. In the last 32 years of my life, I can't remember reading a book that has moved me or inspired me more than Wildwood did. The two of them, in their own fields, have been inspiring people for decades, but I don't think that anything has been seen that is quite touches the power of what they do when they team up together. I know that book meant so much for children, but I think it meant a lot for adults too. And I found it so endlessly inspiring in the way that it took you out of reality into this version of the world that was exciting and different and new and scary. And the way that Carson was able to bring Colin's story to life and her very particular brand of illustration was just stunning. And I think whether you're 42 or you have a child that's four, I think that's a book that you should pick up and have in your home. And I think it's going to be something that is really, really treasured for years and years and years to to come. And I think it really made me look at children's work and artwork that's meant for children as something that should be completely applicable to adults. And I think when you kind of take that lens off of things, it's like, oh, this is meant for kids. I'm not going to look at it. But if you look at it from the idea of this could be inspiring to anyone, the things that could be inspiring in general just open up infinitely because so many things that are produced for young adults or for children are perfectly applicable to adults. And so I think if you start broadening your horizon of things that could inspire you in your work at any level, you start to find so many different things. And for me, that major thing was the book Wildwood. The last thing I want to talk about um, is Stephen Allen, because to me, Stephen Allen as a person and as a brand represents where I think design is going and where I'm going personally and with my company. I think that Stephen Allen has really done a fantastic job of building a brand that's all about buying simple, well-made basics. And I think the design industry has seen so many different permutations over the years of people being really into pattern and really into ornamentation and things that are highly, highly decorative and less functional. And I think people are starting to have... I have almost a physical reaction to that and desire things that are simple, that are almost uniform in nature, that let you kind of cut back on the amount of decisions you have to make and just focus on, ah, I own these 10 things that are beautiful and well made. I know the story behind them. I know who made them and I understand why they're worth investing in. For me, Steven has done a really great job of building a brand from the ground up from everything from jewelry and clothing to home goods to pet goods and tableware. That, that carry that same aesthetic and mission through. And I think that's something that ties all of these inspiring things together is it's about quality and not quantity. Whether you're talking about an app that lets you control your work life more to a person that sets a great example of a consistent brand that produces only things that are beautiful and worth buying and are functional. I think Stephen Allen embodies that in a really great way. And I'm very excited to see how his brand grows in the next year. So these are just a little section of the people that inspire me, but I think they are more than enough to inspire anyone listening, hopefully for the whole year going forward. I'm really excited to hear about the people and the places and the things that inspire you as well. So if you're listening to this episode or if you're reading the transcript online, I hope you'll join in and share the things that have inspired you as well. And next year I'll chime in with my inspirations for this year, but right now I'm keeping a list and I hope that this list will keep you going for the rest of the year. So I'll be back next Thursday. Thanks so much for listening and happy Valentine's Day.